Hello and welcome to the NLCC Sermon Podcast. In a moment, we'll listen in on a message from our Sunday morning worship service. But first, if this is your first time tuning into NLCC, we would love for an opportunity to get to know you and walk with you in your faith journey. If you're interested in connecting with this church, head to our website, northliberty.cc, and hit the I'm New button or use the links in the description. Our goal is to help you experience the transformational power of God in your life. And we hope and pray that you find that in this message. Throughout this sermon series that we've been going through, um, we've been we've been inviting some people in this congregation to come and record videos, like you've seen at the end of many of our services over the last month and a half or so. And they would record a video, and it would start the, with this line, my name is, I would say, Preston, and I had an encounter with Jesus that changed my or transformed my or gave me fill in the blank. Uh, Travis said he had an encounter with Jesus that led him to reconciliation with his dad. Zeb had an encounter with Jesus that gave him strength and endurance. Margaret had an encounter that showed her that she is loved. Mike had an encounter that gave him peace. Andy had an encounter with Jesus that gave him clarity. Today we're going to talk about Peter, the disciple Peter, and we're going to talk about some encounters that Peter had with Jesus. Uh, now, today's service is going to be a little bit different um, because if you, if you miss this next sentence I'm about to say, you're going to be very, very confused for the rest of service today. So don't miss this next sentence. I'm going to be telling you a story from the perspective of Peter. And I'm going to be telling you this story in first person. But this isn't my story. This is going to be Peter's story. And this is going to be Peter's encounter with Jesus. Told from the perspective that if we were able to have Peter come in and to record a video like we've done with all of those other names that I've mentioned, then this is what I think Peter's testimony, what Peter's encounter, and what Peter's story could sound like. My name is Simon Peter, and I had an encounter with Jesus that gave me purpose. Before my encounter, uh, my purpose was, it was fishing. I, I was a fisherman. That's my job. That's how I would take care of my family. Every night I would go out under the water and fish, and my family would depend on me to do this job well, to take care of them. But one night things weren't going well. And this was back, by the way, when my name was still Simon. I cast out my net all night long, and I just kept coming up empty over and over again. I tried everything, but I just couldn't pull anything in. And there was a point where every cast of my net, it felt like it was another concern that I had about my life. It was a concern. It was my job my worries, my fears, every cast I threw out, every concern just kept coming up empty. And this was going to be a morning where I came home empty-handed. I think that's a feeling that a lot of us can relate with, that scary, frustrating feeling of trying and trying, but you just keep coming up empty. Just once I would have liked to come back with a boat full of fish. But this wasn't going to be that night. The sun was coming up. 
my brother and I, we head back to shore, and we were on the shore, and we were cleaning our nets, which wasn't hard to do because we didn't catch anything. And Jesus walks right up to us, and he gets in my boat, and he sits down, and he says, take me out on the water. Now, I had never met Jesus before this encounter. I'd seen him teaching a couple times, but I didn't really know who he was. I had heard a few things about him, but now he was sitting in my boat demanding that I take him out onto the water. What could we do? So we, we went out into the water. And Jesus said, while we're out here, why don't we do some fishing? I didn't want to be rude. But I said, with all due respect, we've been out here all night. The fish just aren't biting. I mean, Jesus was a teacher. I had seen him teaching, but he definitely wasn't a fisherman. It definitely wasn't his job. I think I know more about fishing than he does, and I didn't really think he had much to offer me as far as advice goes. But he just stared at me. So I did what he said. I threw my net out onto the water. And as soon as I did, boom. Our boat lurched over to the side. It was full of so many fish. We couldn't even, my brother and I, we couldn't even pull the nets back into the boat. And so we called our partners, our friends over from another boat, and they came over. And with the help of all of us, we were able to get the fish into the boat. And so we threw our nets out again, and the same thing. So many fish. In fact, we kept throwing our nets out over and over, and we kept catching fish to the point where two boats were so full of fish that they started to sink. And it didn't make any sense because I had been fishing all night long and I was doing things the right way. Where did all of these fish come from? Then I realized who it was that I was actually talking to, who was actually standing in my boat. This was Jesus. This wasn't just some teacher. He was the guy that John the Baptist had said was coming. He's the man who says that he's been from God himself, and clearly he's got some kind of divine power because of what I had just seen. And I realized I definitely didn't deserve to be in his presence. I definitely didn't deserve to have him in my boat. And so I told him, I think you need to leave. You know what Jesus said to me? He said, That's a pretty good haul of fish we've got here. But from now on, we're not catching fish anymore. We're going to catch people. Come on, he said. We've got work to do. I was stunned. Because fishing is all I New. Fishing is what put food on my table. Fishing is, is what put a roof over my head. Fishing is who I am. If I don't fish, what happens to my family? And why would God want me, or why would Jesus want me anyways? I'm just a fisherman. I'm not really that smart. I'm definitely not a teacher, and I have all kinds of sin in my life. Does he even know who he's talking to? But I thought about it for a second, because all that I thought that I wanted My biggest concern in life was coming home with full nets. 
But as I sat in a boat knee-deep in fish, I realized that everything that I thought I wanted paled in comparison to the man who was standing right in front of me. So I dropped my nets, and I followed him. And right there, Jesus had given me purpose. I followed Jesus to a lot of places, and I saw a lot of miracles. One time, I even walked on water. Granted, it was only for a couple steps, but still, uh, it was pretty cool. And I saw some amazing things as I journeyed with Jesus and the other disciples. And what's crazy is it seems like every person that encountered Jesus while we were traveling, every single person that encountered Jesus ended up walking away transformed in one way or another. He just had that effect on people. We traveled from city to city and listened to Jesus teach, and we watched him perform miracles. One day, we were walking near a place called Caesarea Philippi. Now, this is a place that I had never, ever been to before. In fact, it was a place that I actively tried to avoid because this is a place that represented all things sinful. Today, in the United States, there's a place called Vegas known as Sin City. Well, Caesarea Philippi was my sin city. There was this huge rock, and outside the rock, there were temples to all kinds of different gods. There was a temple to Zeus. There was even a big, beautiful temple to Caesar Augustus. And inside the rock, there was a cave, and in the cave, there was a spring. And the spring, they believed, was the the gateway that these gods would use to go to Hades itself. It was a gateway to Hades itself. And inside the rock, it was believed that there lived a god named Pan. Now, in the English, we have a word called panic that actually comes from this God. Pan was a God who delighted in all things awful and sinful. People would come to worship Pan in some of the most sinful, disgusting ways that you can imagine. People would actually travel from all over to come to this rock to do whatever they wanted with whoever they wanted there was a bit of a catch. Because at any moment, Pan could wake up from his slumber and he would let out the scream. And it was believed that this scream would fill everyone who heard it with an enormous amount of fear. Looking back on it, it's it's not really a bad picture of what sin is actually like. You know, that one activity becomes an addiction or it breaks a relationship. And it seems the closer we get to sin, the closer we are to those feelings of shame and guilt and fear. It seems like sin and fear, they kind of go hand in hand. Well, not only was it believed that Pan lived inside this rock, but also this rock, it had that deep spring I was talking about that was a gateway to hell itself. And they would actually, people would throw sacrifices into the spring, both human and animal sacrifices, as an offering to the gods. Needless to say, this was a place that I did not want to be. But I was following Jesus, and this is where he led me. And then Jesus started asking myself and the other disciples what people say about him. I think he was trying to find his place among the temples that we were looking at, these gods that were being worshipped at this rock. And he asked, well, well, if they say he's Zeus, and this is Augustus, who do people say I am? And we said, well, 
Well, people say a lot of things about you, Jesus. People say you're the, the return of Elijah, maybe the return of Jeremiah or, or one of the other prophets. Some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people think you're just kind of crazy. A lot of people have a lot of different opinions about who you are. But then Jesus asked who we, the disciples, thought that he was. And we didn't really have an answer to that. I don't know how I came up with the answer because I know it wasn't by my own brain power. It wasn't by something that I learned on my own. But something inside me told me the answer and so I said it out loud. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You're the one that we read about in the Old Testament, in the law. And you're the son of God. You should have seen the faces of the other disciples. They couldn't believe what I had just said, but I knew it was the right answer. And right there, Jesus decided was a really, really good time to give me a nickname. I said, you are the Christ, and Jesus told me, and you are Peter, which means rock. I said, you are the Christ, and he calls me rock. Now, in my original language of Greek, there's actually two different words for rock. Petrus is the first word. It's used to describe a huge, massive rock. In fact, the best definition of this is a rock that cannot be moved. It's too heavy to be moved, Petrus. The other word for rock is petro, and that's more like a stone or something that can be thrown. The best definition is, is something along the lines of a pebble. And can you guess which name he gave big, strong, fisherman, wise, right answer, knowing it? Peter? He named me after the pebble, which, you know, I was a little, I wish I could have had the bigger rock name, but it was still a much cooler nickname than any of the other disciples had because they didn't have one, except for John, who kept trying to get people to call him the one that Jesus loved, but none of us were calling him that. And uh, so I had the coolest nickname, Rock. And after I answered Jesus' question and said he was the Christ, Jesus changed my name to the Rock, and then he said this. And on this Rock, I will build my church. And even the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Guess which word Jesus used when he said rock that time? He used the big one, Petrus, the big mighty rock. Not the name he gave me. He used the word for a boulder. Needless to say, I was pretty confused. I think we all were. I mean, what was he talking about? Why would he change my name? Why would he give me a nickname as if he was going to make a point, but then he would use a different word when he actually made that point? It made no sense. And then I remembered where we were. And I looked past Jesus, and I saw this massive rock of pain. And I saw the temples to the gods, and I saw the gateway to hell. And I saw the sin that had taken over. And I saw the representation of sin and fear and panic. Jesus wasn't saying he was going to build his church on me, Peter. Jesus was saying he was going to build his church on the truth that he is the son of God. And he would build it in a place where people are bound by their fear. Where people are blinded by their sin. Where people are, 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 are 
lost in meaningless desires. Jesus was telling us that his church was meant for sin cities, and that it wasn't going to be overpowered by any other God or even by hell itself. The more time that I spent with Jesus, the more I trusted him, the more I realized that he was the answer to everything that I needed. But that didn't make me perfect. Have you ever wondered how close you have to get to Jesus before you stop failing? How much time you have to spend with Jesus before you stop messing up? The answer is closer than I was. And what makes it worse? Well, I'm a a failure. I failed him. I'll tell you about one of my biggest failures. And what makes this failure worse is is the fact that he told me exactly what was going to happen, and I still failed. Jesus told me that before the night was over that I was going to deny three times I was going to deny that I follow him. And he told me this was happening, and I, I still failed. Jesus had just been arrested. He had just been arrested, and they were dragging him to the courthouse. And they had already started to beat him, to mock him. And I wanted to be close, and so I followed behind at a, at a little bit of a distance. I just wanted to be close. I didn't really want to draw attention to me. I didn't want people to recognize me. I just wanted to be near. And so they, they dragged Jesus into the courthouse, and I was in the courtyard, and there were some men there, and they had a fire going. And it was cold outside, and so I went to warm myself by the fire. And there's a tap on my shoulder, and a, a young girl comes, and she says, hey, aren't you one of those guys that was following Jesus around? I didn't really want any trouble. I wasn't there to start something. I wasn't there to cut another guy's ear off like I had just done. I wasn't there to to cause any issues. I just wanted to be warmed by the fire, and so I said, no, no, that's not me. And and another guy spoke up and said, no, no, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you're the guy. And again, I I just wanted them to drop it. I just wanted them to let it be, so I said, no. No, it's not me. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not a follower. I don't know him. It's whatever. Just, you know, be quiet. And the third guy, no, I, I know you. You're one of his disciples. At this time, I very loudly and angrily proclaimed that I am not one of his disciples. They need to stop asking about it. I said, I don't even know who Jesus is. And no sooner than I did, I heard a rooster crow signaling that morning had come, and I remembered what Jesus had told me I was going to do. And I looked toward the courthouse, and I saw Jesus. And he was just looking at me right at me. He knew what I was going to do. He knew what I had just done. My stomach sank. I felt like throwing up. What was I supposed to do? So I ran away. I ran away and I started crying. 
couldn't believe what I had done. All I wanted was to be by this warm fire, but instead I had left Jesus out in the cold and I felt so distant. I had messed up. I felt so far away. And I couldn't stop thinking about how I had let him down, like how I had failed Jesus. And I kept asking myself that question, how close do I have to be before I stop messing up? Before I stopped failing, it went around and around in my brain over and over. If I am this much of a failure, how much time does somebody have to spend with Jesus before they stop failing him? And I'm ashamed of how long it took me to ask a better question. See, I was still focusing on on Peter. I did that a lot. I thought about myself. I thought about my deeds, what I needed to do, what made me good enough. But then I realized there in my tears that it's not about me. It's not about when I stop failing. But it's about what Jesus does when I do fail. And you know what he did? He kept pressing on toward the cross. He could have refused to sacrifice himself for people like me, for failures like me. But instead, he kept pressing on toward the cross. I denied Jesus because I flat out said I didn't even know him that I never knew him. How many of us sometimes deny Jesus in our own ways, though? Deny that he's the Lord in in the way that we live our life, the way that we treat other people. But even so, he kept pressing on toward the cross so that people like me and so that people like you could truly live. Now, if you read my story in Scripture, after I failed Jesus these three times, can you guess the next place that you see me? The next time that you see my name, I'm back on a boat, fishing. Back where it all started, before I met Jesus. And just like last time, I kept throwing my nets, and I kept coming up empty-handed. As if the last several years had never taken place, I was doing what I thought I knew best, and I was coming up empty-handed. And we heard a voice from the shore. I thought it was just some drunk guy on the beach, but he screams out, hey, did you catch anything? No. No, we haven't caught anything. Would have liked it if he would have stopped talking there, but he didn't. Well, hey, I've got an idea. What if you take your nets and you throw them on the other side of your boat. Can you humor me for a second? Can you put yourself in my shoes? Just days earlier, I lost Jesus, my friend and my God. Just days earlier, I had failed Jesus, and I said I never even knew him. Just days earlier. And I can't take it back because now he's killed. And when I should have been there for him, instead I ran away. 
and now I'm doing to what I thought I knew best, and I can't even catch some fish. I'm a lousy disciple. I'm a lousy friend. And I'm a lousy fisherman. And if I'm being honest, I lost my cool. I scream back at him. Oh, okay. So you, the expert fisherman that you clearly are, think it's going to make a whole world of difference if I take my net from this side and I throw it onto this side. And as soon as the net hits the water, boom. My boat lurches to the side and there's so many fish that we can't even get it back up into the boat. Sound familiar? John actually figured it out before I did. He looks at me and he says, Peter, you know who that is? That's Jesus. That's our Lord. And I did something that only a man experiencing deep hope would do. I hurled myself over the side of the boat and I started swimming. And when I finally got to the shore, Jesus had a fire going, and so we threw some fish on there. And we started eating breakfast, and I was trying not to make too much eye contact with Jesus because I was ashamed of how I had failed him and how I had treated him just a few days before. In fact, I felt like I shouldn't even be there with the other disciples. I felt like I didn't deserve to be around the fire and eating breakfast with him. And then Jesus pulled me aside. And he said, Peter, do you love me? My heart ripped in two because I know that I had done the most unlovable thing. But I said, yes, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, good. Go feed my sheep. There it was again. Jesus trying to give me purpose. <laughs> I didn't deserve purpose. I didn't deserve to feed his sheep. I wasn't worthy enough to do anything for Jesus. I'm just a fisherman, and I'm a lousy one at that. And Jesus leaned over again, and he said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Good. Go feed my sheep. And it was just like the first time I had met Jesus. I couldn't get this feeling of inadequacy out of my head. I knew that no matter what I did, I was always just going to come up empty. I didn't feel like a rock. I didn't even feel like a pebble. I felt like a failure. And I think Jesus could sense this in me because he asked me a third time, Peter, do you love me? I started crying right there. Three times I had denied Jesus, and now three times he's asked if I love him. But I knew Jesus wasn't trying to guilt trip me. 
He wasn't trying to punish me. He was trying to remind me of who he is and who I am because of him. Yes, Lord, I love you. Good. Now go feed my sheep. Look, I failed. But the truth is, all of us fail. We all blow it. But Jesus reminded me that I had purpose. That there is this world full of hungry, tired, lost, and lonely people, and he didn't die so that I could sit there feeling guilty about myself. He died so that despite my sin, despite my failures, I could still live with purpose. And he still called me to feed his sheep. I think that Jesus' challenge for me would be the same for you. The call to live out the grace that we've been shown for our friends, for our family, for our acquaintances, and even our enemies to see. To let them see somebody who didn't deserve grace, but got it anyways. My encounter with Jesus gave me purpose. Maybe Jesus has given you purpose too. Can you see yourself anywhere in my story? There's going to be a video on the screen with some reflection questions for us to go through. And I want to challenge you to think deeply and honestly with yourself as you go through these questions. Peter's fishing nets were his greatest concern his greatest fears, and no matter how hard he tried, he kept coming up empty. Finally, Jesus called Peter to drop his nets and follow. What concerns are you trying to fill by your own power that Jesus is calling you to drop? Sin City, surrounded by sin and fear, in the presence of a rock that represented all things evil, Peter spoke up to pronounce that Jesus is the Christ. Where is God calling you to speak this truth? courtyard when he denied Jesus three times. How have you denied Jesus in your life? Think about your thoughts, 
actions, and how you treat others. Are you denying Jesus in any of those areas? Despite Peter's failures, Jesus reminded him of his purpose, to be an example of grace given to someone who didn't deserve it, to shine the light of grace on a world that desperately needs it. How has God called you to live out this purpose? If you found value in this message, then we want to encourage you to subscribe to this channel. And if you know someone who needs to hear this message, then please share it with them. NLCC has another podcast called The Other Six, where we discuss what it looks like to have an everyday faith on the other six days of the week. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts, or there's a video version on our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening in and participating with us. We look forward to doing this again with you next week.